You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Hey there, so great to be back with all of you. I have a really special episode today. Now, some of you might go, you know what, this doesn't apply for, to me. I'm going to go ahead and check out. I'll listen next week, next episode, but here's the reality. Is there anyone, maybe yourself or someone you know, who's experiencing infertility, postpartum depression, uh, any mental health issues? If that is the case, today is your day to listen. You could be a resource to a friend, a family member, even a stranger. I have seen babies conceived because of the intervention of people who had this knowledge and were equipped. So my guest today is Susie Younger. She is a fertility care practitioner, and she's working with many women in various issues surrounding essentially women's health and staying healthy and really living your best possible life. Welcome, Susie. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got into working with fertility care? Sure. Well, my own story started when I was in my early 20s and had some medical issues and was looking for assistance through an OBGYN um, and went to an OBGYN and actually without even a physical examination had been put on a triple dose of the birth control pill. And I found that sort of troubling (laughs) to say the least because I had never had an examination. I wasn't sexually active, uh, but this was presented to me as being the only option available to me. And so this really started my own quest thinking there has to be something else out there and what could that be and where would it be? Um, And so I really searched a lot of different avenues and came upon the Creighton Model Fertility Care System and its medical counterpart of NAPRO Technology, which for the first time I found a way uh, that we could figure out what was actually going on with me and get to the underlying condition and start to heal that rather than just sort of cover it up and suppress my cycles with with the oral birth control. And so that's really how I got started um, in this field. But then our own family's journey through infertility um, intensified that journey to the point of wanting to help form a hospital-based program and then also become um, a national public speaker as well on these topics. And you're doing incredible there on the campus of Notre Dame University. In fact, that's actually where you and I met this summer at the DeNicola Center as they were hosting the Vita Institute. Exactly. Yeah, it's an incredible blessing to be here. Now, can you comment really quickly? You were on a triple dose of birth control. Besides suppressing your cycle, which isn't natural, what other symptoms might you have experienced? Oh, my goodness. It was horrible. Uh, the depression, um, the anxiety, just honestly, the body very often mimics pregnancy symptoms also. Nausea, just depression, difficulty sleeping, difficulty waking up. And, and it really was those side effects that made me start looking for another route. I knew that it was morally permissible to be on birth control for medical purposes, but I was like, there just has to be something else out there. For those who are listening, maybe you have been through the exact same experience or know someone who was. I remember some of my college roommates, my friends today, people who are struggling with infertility. I cannot tell you how often I bring up NAPRO technology and fertility care practitioners who are an incredible resource. So let's dive in, Susie. What exactly is NFP? How can it be used to help with fertility and really as the opposite in many ways to contraception in the culture? 
Absolutely. Well, so natural family planning at its basis is monitoring a woman's natural biomarkers as she goes through her menstrual cycle because there are times when her body is naturally fertile and there are times when her body is naturally infertile. Um, The male... Um, is actually, unless there is sub or infertility on his part, a man is, is always fertile. And so it doesn't serve us by monitoring male fertility. And so, so we look at female uh, fertility signs as where the couple's joint fertility exists. That's on a family planning side. But the benefit of natural family planning, uh, specifically with the Creighton Model Fertility Care System, is that medical counterpart of NAPRO technology, which then allows physicians to go find the underlying diagnoses, to to really dig deeper, whereas most women, if they're going to uh, an OBGYN, the the options are often, if they're over 40, to go ahead and have a hysterectomy, or if they're under 40, many times the only option that's offered to them is birth control. So um, with NAPRO technology, with specifically the Creighton Model Fertility Care System, what we're doing is we're looking for those naturally occurring phases of a woman's fertility, and we're looking at those standardized observations um, and the charting of those biological markers so that a woman can know her cycles, use the information for the maintenance of her health, and then the couple can use that knowledge to plan their family and to build their future together. So with us, it's fertility is part of health. It's not a disease. And I think that that's to your point. You know, it really is um, counter to what much of society is saying to us. You know, our young women are being fed this lie that fertility is a burden, that motherhood, you know, is a curse at times. And so from the get-go, you know, young women even, um, my youngest client is 12 that I've worked with and obviously not coming for family planning, but for her health, you know, but she's, she's understanding that her body is beautifully made and that if something's not working well, it's not an invitation to reject it or suppress it, but it's an invitation to heal it back to its working function as God designed. And what's great about that, by the way, my guest today is Susie Younger. You're listening to Trending with Timory. She's a fertility care practitioner. Now, the great gift about that is you're talking about using the biomarkers of the woman's body, what's going on with her fertility, because fertility is actually a sign of health in a person of childbearing years. And so if she's not ovulating, if she something's going on, it could be a sign of various other health issues going on or influencers. And so it's actually great to be aware of your body. And you and I have talked about this. I think you're putting together a curriculum on this to help young people, specifically middle school to high school age students, to start to be just aware of their own body. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I'm spending the next year as a university life fellow here at the University of Notre Dame with the McGrath Institute for Church Life. And my task is to put together a curriculum for high school students uh, to be used across the board, not just in Catholic schools, but actually it will be for secular schools as well with an additional benefit, um, additional programming, and then for specifically Catholic schools. So how can people start using fertility care practitioners in their own area? Maybe if they don't have someone in the immediate vicinity, reach out to others to start being more aware of their body, whether they're no matter what phase in life they essentially are in. That's a great question. And I am a big advocate of women and couples working with someone in person. I think there's a great relationship, you know, staying local if you have that ability. And so if someone's interested, they can go to fertilitycare.org. And there is a list there. You can enter your your location and look it up and you can find out where the nearest fertility care practitioner is to you that can help teach you how to monitor your biomarkers, um, understand how to 
to figure out your naturally occurring times of fertility or infertility. But the other thing that a fertility care practitioner does is we work as a human radar scanning the charts and making sure that there are no you know, issues with a woman's health. So sometimes people will come just for family planning, um, but as in the case of one of my clients, while she was just trying to avoid pregnancy, as I was scanning her charts, we noticed that things were off in her biomarkers. And so even while she and her husband were trying to avoid pregnancy, um, our physicians found 13 medical diagnoses underlying a condition. She, she didn't even know that they were there. And the physicians were able to help her heal even while she was trying to avoid pregnancy. And I truly believe that's why when they tried to become pregnant, that wait was not quite as long because she was already in a, in a much greater state of health prior to trying to conceive. This is something we'll be talking a little bit about later with Susie, and that is many people have these underlying issues with regard to their fertility. And I can't tell you how many people I've known who maybe before they got married or a year or sometimes, unfortunately, 10 years into being married when they're struggling with infertility, they end up finding out they have an underlying issue. They were only really able to diagnose it through the incredible science and medical care of natural family planning and NAPRO technology, and they're able to heal those issues and achieve having a child. We'll talk about that side a little more later on. Another side I want to talk to you about briefly, Susie, is that some people see natural family planning as essentially the Catholic version of contraception. And we've got to speak to that a little bit because it can become a little bit of a contraceptive mindset, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, it can. I think anything can be used with that mindset. So, you know, if if that heart is still just closed off to even the possibility of children, then one can say that natural family planning is nothing more than Catholic contraception. But I think where it differs is that in natural family planning, there is always an openness to that possibility, right? There is no deliberate act thwarting the life-giving potential. You might still choose to use only days of infertility, but you're still respecting the way that your, your body was created. You're still giving yourself totally and faithfully and fruitfully and freely to your spouse. So in no way are you diminishing that sacramental gift of self, right, that, that witness to Christ's love for his church that we're called in Christian marriage to make. Um, and so when I'm teaching in the high schools, and I get this question a lot, and the best way that I've explained it to them is say, you know, if we were to, to contracept an act of, of marital intercourse, then what we're saying is I give you all of myself, except not this part, you know, to make, that would potentially make you father and make you mother. And so we're violating that totality of the gift. And so with natural family planning, instead of speaking in a way that is untrue or maybe withholding um, truth, we're, we're just we're not speaking in essence. It's, it's, it's choosing to express our unity and in our marriage in a different way, rather to speak with the language of the body in a way that's untrue. Um, and so, the, you know, this takes a while. It's not something that always comes naturally. Some people say, well, this is just nuance. This is just wordsmithing. But I think that openness to to God still working and still bringing forth a new life is definitely there in natural family planning. Um, and also just the, the ways that you can enrich your marriage in other ways, if you're for a moment, you know, you have discerned that there is reason to maybe not be open as much to welcoming a child at that point. And this is where we have to talk about, you know, Humana Vitae in the church's teaching. A lot of people talk about it, but don't read the document. This is a document for parents, for our married couples. And it actually talks about the importance of recognizing 
human or essentially natural family planning is meant to be used for grave reasons real serious reasons to avoid having children and there needs to be that respect and essentially it talks about that accountability of the couples before God and making those decisions and this is one of the great gifts of natural family planning and we'll be getting into more of the resources that it offers as well Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Susie Younger is my guest today here for you and those you may know to be equipped with the information to help people who are experiencing infertility, postpartum depression, and other serious health risks that in a world where mental health issues is a real serious concern. So Susie Younger, our fertility care practitioner, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. So I want to dive into the topic of infertility, and I'd like to start, if you don't mind, would you be willing to share your story and how this crosses over? Sure. Well, I mean, our story started, um, you know, when even before we were engaged, I just, as I had said in the previous segment, we had um, knowledge that my my health was not exactly where it should be. Um, and so I had tried to do different um, methods of natural family planning just to sort of figure out what was going on. And none were really showing me um, a good, accurate picture. Like we weren't able to make sense of my temperatures and, and different things. And so uh, I went to a physician. He said, really, you need to be using the Creighton model because of the current time, um, you know, he said, this is the best that we have. And, and so I did. And while we were, um, you know, in engagement and newly married, we were able to realize that I had serious issues um, that the biomarkers were showing us. And so we can look at the charting patterns and realize if there's an issue going on. And so I was one of those women that was able to be healed even, um, you know, before we really were fully trying to start our family. So, I mean, we were always open, obviously always using natural family planning, but, you know, before we were really, you know, doing every effort to try to become pregnant. Um, and so in our own story, you know, as I said, my, my issues were swept under the rug by a previous physician. I was put on oral birth control, I felt horrible from it, came off of it. And for the first time working with a fertility care uh, practitioner and with a NAPR technology medical consultant, found out that I had a progesterone deficiency in the luteal phase, which is not uncommon, um, that I was actually anovulatory, that I had polycystic ovaries, insulin resistance, and actually through one of my first NAPR surgeries, discovered that I also had significant endometriosis and blocked fallopian tubes. So, it, you know, it's <laughs> it's interesting, right? We're talking about like, what what's feminism? How do we Power women, you know, women's rights. And here I was as a young 20 something, you know, put on birth control, and none of these issues were ever found until I started working with an APRO physician. And obviously, it's pretty hard to conceive if you have all those things going on. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was a dark, dark journey, you know, a lot of suffering, and I'm still very active with infertility support groups here locally. Our own barrenness, we are still actually waiting to conceive, but our childlessness has been um, gifted. Like That is no longer an issue because we've been gifted three beautiful children through adoption. So, um, you know, with infertility, certainly it's just devastating. It's devastating to want to, how do you say it? We are no more made in the image and likeness of God than when we co-create an immortal soul with our spouse and God, right? Like, like we get to co-create an immortal soul. And so we desire that. We know that children are the supreme gift of marriage. We know that we want to see our spouse reflected, you know, in our children and our own traits and our children. And that yearning and the gift of children is so beautiful, 
that when that's withheld, it's just devastating. And then to compound that with not getting the best medical care, not getting answers, just feeling like there's no hope. It's just devastating. And so the beauty of NAPRA technology is really looking at fertility as a normal and healthy process. It's not a disease. If you're not conceiving, then we're going to go and say, what's actually going on? Because these underlying diseases have, have two sides, right? They, they not only hinder the functioning of fertility, but they also can cause those short and long-term health problems. So we're not doing our moral duty if we're not actually trying to help the woman restore her health period, whether or not she's becoming, trying to become pregnant or not. You're listening to Trending with Timory. There's so much heartbreak for people who are experiencing infertility. And if you are experiencing this now as you're listening, I really want you to know that our prayers are with you and we are doing the show as a resource to you and those millions of people who are trying to conceive and don't know about the resource of NAPRO technology. So Susie, can you speak for a second though to the experience of adopting? Because so many people really struggle as they're battling infertility with the idea of having a child through adoption that is not biologically theirs. Mm, Absolutely. And I think to say that because one is infertile, one should adopt does a disservice to the couple and to the child. Um, It's not a de facto, you can't conceive and therefore you should adopt. I mean, I can't say that any more than I could say that no one with biological children should adopt. Um, I really feel like as Christian families, it's our obligation to discern adoption no matter where we are in our family. I know several friends that have four biological children have now adopted three, and so they have a mixed family as well. And it's one of those things that it's very similar to discerning um, openness to welcoming a child or, you know, for grave reason, choosing to use NFP to avoid pregnancy. It's the same in adoption is what are we called to? And I think so many of our decisions, both in natural conception and in adoption, are ruled by fear. And when I'm counseling couples, I just keep trying to, you know, remind them that God's grace is bigger than any fear that you have. Like his grace is sufficient to take you where his will leads you. And for us, that led us through uh, foster care and then adoption as well. Um, and so we have done one foster care to adopt situation. Um, and then we've had two private open adoptions as well. And so we have just been incredibly blessed by our children's birth families, their foster families. And when you make that sacrificial gift of love, right? The same, it's, it's interesting how much overlap there is that same sacrificial gift of love that's involved in natural family planning is the same sacrificial gift of love and adoption. It just looks different, right? But it's still putting what's best for the other above yourself. It's still imaging that radical hospitality, um, you know, as Christians that we're called to have. And ultimately Christ, the cross that we make over our bodies before and after prayer always reveal that our life is made to be a gift and biologically in the complementarity of the bodies it's revealed. But so many people have this feeling when they're experiencing infertility that something is wrong with me as a person fundamentally. Can Mm. you speak to that? Oh, absolutely. And I think you see this on both sides, right? Because male infertility is absolutely a reality as well. And and you think that us women have difficulty getting taken seriously. You know, it's, it's gosh, for, for my husband and for many of the men that I work with, 
you know, they're told to go get a sperm sample by going into a, a back closet with a magazine, you know, and it's dehumanizing and it's humiliating, you know, that they're asked to begin the next generation of life with an act of sin and masturbation. And so, you know, there are ways that we can work with the men to obtain a seminal fluid analysis through a natural act of intercourse with their wife that is not contraceptive, that gets us the results and maintains the integrity of the marriage and respects them both as man and woman and as a married couple. But yes, the the men and the women, we really grieve differently. Um, for me, you know, it, it was so internal. And for us as women, right, our everything is internal. Just the receptivity to our spouse, the caring of the child, our organs are internal, our hormones fluctuate, everything is internal. And so it, it, I was made to do this. So why isn't it working? What does God hate me? And I spent many, many years there in that, that dark place. And then for the men, if you look at the theology of the body, their bodies are made to give, right? Everything, it's, it's external. It's a gift of self. It's a provision. And so many husbands struggle with feeling like they're not able to provide, right? That this was, their body was made to provide, provide life, provide for their families. And so it really speaks to the point of what does it mean to be male and female? Because we have this beautifully stressed in our theology now, right? We're catching up on our catechesis of, of what it means to be male and female and the theology of the body. So what happens when that's not a possibility? And it really can feel like spiritual motherhood and fatherhood is a second place prize, like a consolation prize. But I, I will say that my religious sister friends, my um, monk friends, my, my priest friends have been very strong advocates to help me understand through my own journey that spiritual motherhood, spiritual fatherhood is not the consolation prize. It is the calling of every man and woman in the kingdom. Uh, and so that as we're working for answers and as we're trying to heal the body and bring about that life that they so desire, that there are so many ways that their yes is needed even in the here and now while they wait. Susie, I would love to hear some of the success stories of natural family planning and helping people achieve pregnancy. And by the way, if you're listening and you can't stay with us right now, please head over to radiotrending.com to get the rest of the resources from this show and all of the links and resources that Susie's offering us. So Susie, success stories about achieving pregnancy and infertile uh, issues. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many. And it just gives me such great joy um, when, my, when my own body has yet to be able to produce life, to be able to spiritually midwife, if you will, these these babies has been such a gift. Um, you know, I've seen clients where the man had almost no sperm, um, and using natural family planning was crucial because we had to time their intimacy for exactly when her egg was being released, so that we could maximize those sperm's viability um, to actually get to the egg in time. Um, and so I've seen babies conceived when honestly we <laughs> we saw very little sperm activity um, in the in the test. So that was exciting. Um, you know, I have another couple that it was seven years uh, before they were able to conceive. And then actually they've had three uh, pregnancies after that. And so many times the beauty is they don't need us. Once we fix the underlying condition, then they haven't needed to come back to us for assistance because their bodies are working. And because everything is going well with their health, then fertility, as you said at the beginning, is a natural you know, next step. And it's a natural manifestation of a body that's in good working order. Um, you know, but occasionally we do see clients where they do need us and they do come back and maybe we do need to do some medication just to sort of get over that that hurdle that we initially found with the first pregnancy. Um, you know, there's another client that I came and she was in such incredible pain um, and struggling with infertility. 
and she had been dismissed by every physician she'd previously gone to. And when she came to us, our physicians actually found out that she had ovarian cancer. So this really is a health issue as well. But you know, so, so many incredible stories, and it's just the greatest joy for me to go into the labor and delivery unit um, at the hospital and to, to hold these babies that we've prayed for so long. But I can also you know, give people the witness of my own story and say it's not a guarantee. We do our best, and, and what I do promise is that people will be respected at every step along the way and that they will not be treated as a number, that um, the sanctity of their marriage will be respected, um, and we will never ask them to do something against their conscience and their faith either. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Thanks for being with us. I want to come back in with a story from a Susie Younger, who is a fertility care practitioner, and this shocking story. Listen up, you guys. Susie, can you share with us? Sure. So the story that we're talking about is uh, related to premenstrual syndrome. And this is something that I think is so often ignored or dismissed. And we sort of laugh at it and we think, oh, PMS, you know, just, just hand her some chocolate and a chick flick and, you know, let her have a good cry and she'll get over it. But this is actually, a, you know, a medical clinical issue. And so this is anything irritability, breast tenderness, bloating, weight gain, carbohydrate craving, you know, depression, fatigue, headaches, crying easily, anxiety, insomnia acne, right? I bet most women listening are, are shaking their heads like, yeah, I've experienced that. And many times the men are going, yes, I've seen this. And this is one of the areas where I see men, you know, perk up and listen even more so because maybe for the first time they're seeing how they might be able to help a woman in their life that they love, be it a spouse, a sister, you know, um, someone. Um, but th- these issues begin at least four days prior to the onset of menses and they can be absolutely debilitating. So the story that we're talking about is one of the more drastic cases I've ever seen in our practice uh, was a case where a client came and she actually had a child protection services case against her and her children were actually removed from her care and placed in foster care. And, you know, of course, you know, I, I want the children to be safe and I'm glad that they're there, and especially as a foster mom, I, I really resonated with this case. But, and the fertility care practitioner side of me said, I wonder if there's more going on here. And so as we started looking at things, we realized that she was more inclined towards this aggression, towards this behavior that had caused the removal of her children only during about the week to 10 days prior to when her period started. And so I thought, you know what, there's hope here because what we discovered was an underlying hormonal abnormality underlying uh, that. And so she was progesterone deficient in her luteal phase. And that's something that the NAPRO physicians are very good about addressing and are 95% successful in getting rid of, which is great because in this woman's case, what happened is through progesterone therapy, she was able to become more stable to the point that the therapy, the counseling, the parenting classes, everything she was going through with the state were able to take better root, right? So this was not a woman who was a monster. She was not an ogre. She's not this horrible human being. She was a woman who was sick and needed help. And once we were able to support her hormonal level, then she was really able to heal in all the ways that were needed. And honestly, she was doing so well that I was not seeing her anymore as her fertility care practitioner. But at the last time we touched base, she was completely on track to get her children back. And so, you know, that that was certainly one. Um, you know, there's other stories. If you want me to share, I could share a few others as well. Susie, that is an incredible story. And just coming back to it, the fact that 
so many people are struggling on the level of having to drop out of school at times, missing too much work when they're struggling with PMS issues. But this is where someone literally had their children taken away from them. And so the intervention here that was able to bring about, God willing, this awesome success story for this woman is such a gift. So can you share with us other stories? Because I know you struggled even with the mental health issue having to do with teenagers being impacted by this. Exactly. And if I'm going to be working with a young woman, as I said, my youngest client is 12. Um, the number one reason I'm seeing her is is because of premenstrual syndrome, um, even at such a young age. And the case that, that comes most to my mind is the case of a 12-year-old who was actually put in psychiatric inpatient because of uh, threats to self, because of suicidal behaviors, cutting, um, and just you know, very, very dangerous mentality. And I wish this was, there was only one case where I've heard this. Sadly, there are many cases documented of this. Um, and in this one case, we were able to look and say, is there something that we could do to help alleviate these symptoms? Like, I'm never one to say that, you know, progesterone is going to fix everything. This is all only PMS. That's not the case. A woman must stay in close contact with her physician to work through all of that. But in this case, we started this 12-year-old charting. And once she was able to chart... just wanted to cut in there because I just want to emphasize, but this situation with this very, very young middle school girl was actually an instance of a suicide attempt. So can you continue on with the story? Yeah, sure. And so what was so important there is that by doing progesterone therapy, we were able to help alleviate the symptoms enough that she was able to get her life back. And, you know, there are other than steps as far as counseling or therapies that, again, those can take more root once the hormonal abnormalities are adjusted. And so our physicians are so good about working, you know, in a very age-appropriate way with the teens. And, uh, you know, many times when when birth control pills or when antidepressants are the only option out there, I say, no matter what the age of the woman, I'm like, but maybe we should look at this first because it's like a multi-layered onion, right? It's like you have to peel back the layers to really get to the core of the situation. Um, and then my own case, I'm um, in my first year of marriage, my husband found me in the fetal position in our kitchen um, and I was very, very depressed. I was contemplating taking my own life um, and I just desperately wanted help. And so these protocols with the Neprotect technology for premenstrual syndrome literally saved my own life and I'm sure they saved my marriage um, because I had so little to give to my spouse. I Now as a mother, I can only imagine what it would have been like um, had I not been healed of PMS. So. This matters to everyone who's listening. Some people might have gone, oh, gosh, why do I want to talk about this, especially some of the men? But the reality is, is that these are issues. And Susie, you mentioned this when I heard you speak at the Vita Institute at Notre Dame that are actually threatening the pro-life perspective. Oh, for sure, because if, if, if you are experiencing premenstrual syndrome and you're feeling so overwhelmed, you're not getting sleep, you're anxiety ridden, you're angry at your husband, you're angry at your children, I mean, you're not having a good quality of life, right? So pro-life is far more than anti-abortion, as we know. And what does it mean to live life according to God's best plan and live life in its fullest? But also, how many women are experiencing PMS um, and might be not as inclined maybe to welcome another child? And and I know we'll talk about postpartum depression, but these postpartum depression and PMS are very much twin sisters in that regard. Um, and, and interestingly enough, PMS is often, as I referenced, a luteal phase deficiency in those progesterone levels, um, and that was an inclination, my own, or a, an inkling in my own case 
that maybe something else was going on. This led to the diagnosis of polycystic ovarian disease, uh, which led to one of the NAPRO surgeries that then uncovered all of those additional issues. So really, you're looking at one piece that can be very indicative of many additional pieces. Not to say that PMS always necessitates surgery or that PMS necessitates uh, that a woman would experiencing experience infertility, but we, we can't take these pieces in isolation. And so much of the, of, of the cases that I see, so many of the cases I see, women just feel like they're crazy. They've never been taken seriously by their physicians. And so maybe for the first time, all of these different pieces, all these symptoms that they've experienced, even from the age of 12, are making sense. Or on the other end of our, our, our spectrum, as a woman's going through menopause, right, perimenopausal, premenstrual syndrome increases and that hormonal balance is shifted again. And so we're really looking at this as a way to take care of women from the first period or even before, in the case of our young women, all the way through you know, a year past the last period. Everything in between uh, we have hope to offer. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray, and that is Susie Younger, a fertility care practitioner. So everything to do with fertility care practitioners is really customized to your body. It isn't just looking at numbers and counting. In fact, there's a great disservice being done with a lot of the resources out there, such as phone apps, because they're there as a resource, but they're not trained or being uh, complemented with the medical evidence behind it. Let's tie this in, Susie, just a little bit to how PCOS is on the rise, as is endometriosis. And if you have, for example, a chart by itself, that's not enough. You need a practitioner and even a doctor with you on this journey. Sure. And I think we're, we're in a great age where there are more online options and there are more variety of methods that are being offered. And some of them are fantastic options, right? There's not a one-size-fits-all. The reason I chose the Create Model Fertility Care System and NAPRO technology is because of its demonstrated successes um, and the integrity of the program and its holistic nature and the physicians trained in it. Um, there are certainly other methods that are coming out. The one thing, speaking to your point on apps, I think we have to be careful that we understand the science behind the apps that we're using because they can look very cute and they can be easy to use and sort of fun and print out great charts and information. But first of all, what is the science behind it and is it accurate, number one? Number two, if you're not in good, healthy cycles, will it work for you? Because many of those apps are nothing more than a calendar method. They're just a method of counting days. Um, And so if a woman is looking at using an app, I highly recommend Natural Womanhood uh, is a website, and and we'll put that, I'm sure, in the show notes. But they have a fantastic study on the effectiveness of different apps. And so, you know, certainly there are some out there that are better than others, but as I stated at the very beginning, I can't underestimate the importance of having a a living, breathing human being working with you and supporting you because whether you're trying to avoid pregnancy, trying to become pregnant, monitoring your health, having that personal contact and someone to carry that cross with you or, or even just take that joyful journey with you is such a gift. Be sure to keep an eye out for all of the notes. You can head over to radiotrending.com for links to this episode. And a shout out to everyone who's listening on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Thanks for letting this Californian into the Midwest for the time being as you are in the drive or in the car driving or wherever you might be. Susie, we've talked about some of the resources. I'd also like to touch yet again just briefly on how many people end up being put on birth control as a really kind of counter to try and help PMS. 
Sure. And so the, the most common um, treatments that we have seen in our practice is either being put on birth control to, to regulate hormones or to be put on antidepressants. And so, you know, some like Prozac um, is considered a treatment of choice for women with premenstrual syndrome. So again, I can say this as a fertility care practitioner um, who's seen this and seen the work that our physicians do, but don't want this to be misinterpreted as medical counsel by any stretch of the imagination here. Um, and so what we're doing is really, again, not just trying to put a Band-Aid to cover over issues, but look to the source and heal the source of the issues so that the woman becomes healthy overall. Excellent. We will be coming right back and we'll be talking about postpartum depression. It is something that is becoming more and more common. And I think some of the look into NAPRO technology really points to the reason why there are undiagnosed issues for women, our diet, so many things going on impacting fertility today. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. Susie Younger is with me today. Thanks for being with us. We are talking about infertility, fertility, PMS, and the real issue of mental health. If you were not with us before, please head over to radiotrending.com where you can also find all the resources from books, websites, and ways that you can get in contact with a physician you need to deal with these really serious issues. So finally, Susie, I want to talk about postpartum depression. Mm, absolutely. Well, and, and as I said in an earlier segment, so many of the, the experience of postpartum depression can be quite similar to what a woman might experience cyclically in premenstrual syndrome, right? So these are, postpartum depression would be identified as a major depressive order that starts in that postpartum period. It usually begins within about the first four weeks following delivery, but it actually can continue on even through the full, first full year after delivery, which many women don't know. Um, and so so it can be very severe or mild. It can come, it can go, but those symptoms would include uh, fatigue, changes in their appetite or sleep, um, mood changes, loss in interest or uh, of interest in pleasurable activities, agitation, um, just sort of feeling re- retaliation, thoughts of death or suicide, feelings of worthlessness or guilt, especially as it pertains to motherhood and the baby, and just excessive anxiety over the child's health. And you can imagine, you know, if a woman is experiencing this, it is miserable. And and many of the times, you know, she she's desired the child. She She's been welcoming this gift of life. She's eager to meet the baby. And so when this happens to any woman, it's devastating. But I think in a special way for us Catholic women, you know, we look at that spiritual component of, but wait, I'm like, this is my gift. This is my motherhood. You know, I am, I'm supposed to be the one caring for this child. How could I feel that way? And, and we just feel crazy, like um, as if, you know, there's something wrong with us or we're a bad mom. And I think we really need to do more uh, in, in promoting this aspect of mental health, that postpartum depression, it can happen. And it doesn't mean that that you're crazy. In fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. It's, it's quite common. So knowing that there's help out there, you know, certainly, you know, what some of the more common approaches to dealing with postpartum depression would be counseling or, again, antidepressants. But within NAPRO technology, um, our physicians are using injections of 
bioidentical progesterone in our muscular injections to help relieve postpartum depression, and they're seeing a, a fantastic result. First of all, there's a rapid onset, and so it's literally within minutes or hours after that first injection that the symptoms are lifted. Secondly, over 95% of the patients respond positively. And so you get this, this one-two punch of, of quick, immediate relief and a 95% success rate. And so that's been absolutely wonderful for the clients. It was awesome to see how NAPR technology has been able to be an aid for women who are experiencing postpartum depression. I know I hear things such as people who experience PCOS or people who experience severe PMS. It's often an indicator that you may experience bad postpartum depression. But Susie, can we talk for a second? Because I know you've worked with a lot of women in these instances. Just coping skills, you know, and I think that this is something that all of us can really take more seriously um, overall because this ties into mental health, you know, exercise food, really choosing to be happy as you're going through things such as this and suffering. Right. And absolutely choosing to be happy is so difficult in postpartum depression, even if you want to be, right? You you want to choose happiness, but, you know, no life event is going to rival those hormonal, psychological, and social changes that happen with pregnancy and childbirth. I mean, what the woman's body goes through creating a human being is unparalleled. And so when we're looking at self-help, I mean, first first of all, I would say try to get in with a NAPRO physician for these postpartum depression uh, techniques that can help alleviate that, first of all. But second of all, there are great resources out there. So um, one of the, the websites that I refer my clients to is postpartum.net, and it is a fantastic network, and it's, it's international. So even your international listeners can find support, hopefully, in their countries as well. Um, but there are co-coordinators uh, for different different chapters throughout the U.S. and throughout the world. Um, and so this is Postpartum Support International um, as well. And they, they just have a, a myriad of support issues uh, to help with women where she can find a counselor specially trained in postpartum depression. And then as far as books, Karen Kleiman's books um, are fantastic. She has a, a large series of books, some intended actually for the fathers as well, uh, for postpartum fatherhood and how to support your wife as she's going through this. So those are great resources as well. But I think, you know, it's the same thing. PMS, postpartum depression, very similar as far as the self-help, uh, which would be sleep, especially as a new mom. It's so hard to do that, too. And, and, and when you're trying to sleep, you know, people say sleep when the baby sleeps. And I honestly can't stand that statement because, like, but that's when I can get things done, you know, or we're so anxiety ridden, you know, about this sweet infant in our arms that that trying to sleep when you have anxiety is, is very difficult, but as best as one can, you know, to go ahead and, and get some sleep and, and maybe even if you can hire a sitter, have a friend come over, swap childcare with someone just so that you can take a nap and rest when you can. Um, eating well, hydrating for sure. Uh, you know, dehydration can intensify anxiety. Um, and then exercise, even something as simple as just a five-minute walk, but especially if that walk is done in community, you know, finding a girlfriend, um, looking through um, you know, different moms groups, maybe online, something like that. There's a meetup app that would help women identify maybe where other moms are hanging out. Um, just going and not being alone with your own thoughts can be really helpful. And then having a creative outlet, um, you know, going back to what your hobbies are, finding something that's, you know, of interest to you um, that's outside of your motherhood. Those can be very good um, options for self-help. And those are really brought to my attention by a, a very dear friend, Kathy James, who's a licensed clinical social worker here locally. Uh, she's a core con- 
co-coordinator for the Indiana chapter here of Postpartum Support International. And, you know, she and I have tag-teamed on numerous cases where she'll handle the the counseling aspect, and I'll be working um, with our physicians on the medical aspect. That is Susie Younger. You are listening to Trending with Timory. Thanks for being with us. I want to talk also from the perspective of insecurity and talking with a lot of the psychologists that I come in and I was letting them know, hey, we're talking about postpartum in a couple weeks with Susie Younger. And they were just mentioning how for many young moms, one or moms in general, there's this overall issue with the society of this lack of affirmation, which can lead to a lot of insecurity. And so another perspective is trying to find people maybe especially mentors who are going to affirm you and help you see like you're a good mom, you're capable, you're able, you can do this is something that's so important when so many people are hungry for role models. We have to find them. Oh, exactly. And and Kathy James, as I mentioned, she she and I were just discussing this the other day and she said, I just tell all of my clients stay off the internet. She's like, don't, you know, don't get into the news, don't get into heavy topics, you know, don't get on Pinterest and, and compare yourself to what other moms are doing. You know, that's not your life, that's their life, and it's only the version of their life that they're presenting to you. And so I think the beauty of the digital age is that we are able to form networks and find each other. But the challenge, as we all know, is that we start comparing as well. And so how can we get into areas where we affirm and we support and we select that small circle that we know we can trust, where we can lean on them, where we can get help from them, where, you know, when it's just a difficult day, we can say, I am really struggling. Can you come over, bring your kids, we'll co-parent today. You know, and if we don't have that yet, looking in our parishes, seeing is there a group already formed in the parishes, if not go to the pastor and see if one can be formed because this is absolutely crucial. Um, We need to have more transparency of what motherhood looks like in general and not the glossed over version. (laughs) Yes. And I'm so glad you mentioned comparison because whether you are experiencing postpartum depression, you recently had a child and maybe you just feel like a mess with everything that's changing, whether it's whatever it might be, infertility, maybe you are single and wish so much so to be married, whatever it is, this comparison is something that really ties into this overall issue of mental health and the topics having to do with fertility today that sometimes we're exposing ourselves to so much that it really prevents us from having that inner dialogue of peace, of silence, of affirmation and security in God. Absolutely, because so many of the times we're striving for perfection that God does not ask of us. So let's talk about where we need to go from here. For those who are just listening, again, this is Trending with Timory, and all of these links and resources that Susie and I mentioned will be at the website, radiotrending.com. So let's start with, for example, the awesome news that Napro Technology Fertility Care is coming out with an app. Can you tell us more? Sure. As of uh, September 5th, actually, uh, the the app will be available. This will be used in conjunction with uh, teaching with a fertility care practitioner, but we're excited for that. It will make it more accessible uh, to women here to have it on their phones, and it will actually sync with their with their spouse's phone as well, so everyone will have um, access to that information um, right in the real time. How do we find a fertility care practitioner, and what do the expenses look like in that, which a lot of people are probably asking? Sure. So fertility care practitioners can be found by going to fertilitycare.org and you just enter your location and it will show you where the nearest fertility care practitioner is. And you can also look on the medical tab uh, to see where the nearest physician is that can offer this type of services.
there's quite a few great books that are out there. So the NAPRO Technology Revolution, I would highly recommend. That's by Dr. Thomas Hildreus, who created the Creighton Model uh, Fertility Care System in NAPRO Technology. It's a great resource to understand the biology component as well as to look section by section through these medical topics as well. We talked about Karen Kleiman's books uh, specifically on postpartum depression as well. And then just learning more, listening to, to more talks. You can certainly go to any natural family planning introductory session, um, hear what they have to say, see maybe if your diocese offers a tea, especially if you have daughters, you know, introducing them to a positive view of their fertility at a young age, I think is important. Um, and it's something I'm speaking more nationally on is doing, you know, retreats to teach families how to teach their young children, both uh, boys and girls, about a healthy view of God's best plan for marriage and the family. So there's certainly more and more growing options that are out there. Please keep this in mind for people you may know, maybe name a couple people and send this in a text message as a resource to them. My guest is Susie Younger. You can learn more about our resources and my guest at radiotrending.com. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guest, visit radiotrending.com. That's radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 